Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day and welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same Spirit, help us to relish what is right, and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So, this earth-shattering news about the Supreme Court is just about all anybody's been talking about in the last news cycle and in the churches and homes and offices of everybody, really. Um, It's a very polarizing announcement, and it seems to be uh, creating an energy in both uh, the liberals and the conservatives. And the result of that is a lot of people are feeling a sense of unrest, like there's a battle coming. There is a battle coming. We're in a battle, by the way. And um, But you should not lose your courage. You should not lose your peace because uh, there, are, there are actually many good things happening, but there's always going to be this attack from the other side. Uh, somebody who knew this well was a Benedictine monk in France, and he was the abbey of the famous Salem Monastery. And he reestablished that monastery uh, after the French Revolution had decimated uh, the church and the priests and the monasteries uh, in France. His name is uh, Dom Garagère, and uh, he died in um, 1875, but he he wrote for profusely, but, and I'm going to read you something he said. This is after he uh, entered into Salem. He said, the battle has commenced. The miseries of this present life are the test to which God puts his soldiers. He passes judgment upon them and classifies them according to the degree of courage they have shown. Therefore, is it, it is Therefore, it is it that we all have our share of suffering. The combat has commenced. God is looking on, watching how each of us conducts himself. And the day is not far off when the judge will pass sentence on the merits of each combatant and award to each one the recompense he has won. Combat now, peace and rest, and a crown then. Happy they who during these days of probation, have recognized the mighty hand of God in all the trials they have had and have humbled themselves under its pressure, lovingly and confidently. Against such Christians who have been strong in faith, the roaring lion has not been able to prevail. They were sober, they were watchful during this, their pilgrimage. Pretty uh, prophetic words for our time as well. This is a man who grew up in a country 
that was very Catholic. France, we call it the daughter of the church. Uh, and so all of that destroyed because the people adopted the ways of the world over the ways of God. And then the attack from the enemy was to wipe out the church in France. Thankfully, it didn't. It, it was unsuccessful in completely destroying the church there. But it really took a beating. Now, many people in the recent uh, plight since COVID have asked me, Father, what, is, what do you think has been the demise or the seeming decline of America? Because many do see America as being in decline, particularly if you just look at right now what's happening on so many fronts. There's so many things wrong. Uh, many people would chalk it up to a shrinking military, uh, deficit spending, geopolitical overreach, a shift in morals. Um, many things can be, you know, picked as the reason for this seeming decline in America. And uh, I would say that the, the decline in America or the problems we're seeing in America today have to do with uh, not putting God in, its, in his first place. Not putting God in his first place. You know, we put on our money in God we trust, but do we really live that out? It would seem we have been very angry with God because we keep kicking him out of our marketplaces, of our schools, of our uh, offices at work. And so I started thinking about this. And I was listening to uh, a priest who I very much respect, and he was speaking about um, after 9-11, he remembers... Uh, Franklin uh, Graham's daughter, Anne Graham Lotz, uh, two days after, so it must have been September 13th, she was invited on the early show, which I believe was on CBS, and Jane Clayson interviewed her. And she was looking for someone to help her understand why such a horrible event could happen to America. And uh, so in the interview... She said, uh, the, Jane Clayson said, uh, many people are asking, if God is good, how could God let this happen? What do you say, Anne? And Anne responded, I say God is also angry when he sees something like this. I would say also for several years now, Americans, in a sense, have shaken their fist at God and said, God, we want you out of our schools, our government, our business. We want you out of our marketplace. And God, who is a gentleman, has just quietly backed out of our national and political life and our public life, removing his hand of blessing and protection. We need to turn to God, first of all, and say, God, we're sorry we have treated you this way, and we invite you now to come into our national life. We put our trust in you. We have our trust in God on our coins, and now we need to practice it. Well, the interview went on, and uh, but she made her point. Um, and I think a lot of people were soul-searching in that moment and probably heard that. Uh, and for a while, it seemed like we were going back to God. The churches were full. 
But then somebody, uh, after having saw that, went a little deeper into the idea of how we've been kicking God out of our lives and had this commentary to say. So I'm going to read you this and see if this resonates with you as well. So again, it was in light of the recent terrorist attacks, but also the school shootings. When did all this begin? Well, I think it started when Madeleine Murray O'Hare, who, by the way, was an atheist who started up an atheist radio network and was very much uh, not just didn't believe in God, but really had a hatred for anything godly. By the way, she was murdered. uh, But she complained. She didn't want any prayer in our schools and even sued to have school uh, prayer taken out of schools. And uh, she won that. And we said, okay and took prayer out of school. And someone said, you better not read the Bible in school. The Bible that says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And we said, okay. And then Dr. Benjamin Spock said, we shouldn't spank our children when they misbehave because their little personalities would be warped and we might damage their self-esteem. And we said, well, an expert should know what he's talking about so we said okay and then someone said teachers and principals better not discipline our children when they misbehave and the school administrator said no faculty member in this school better touch a student when they misbehave because we don't want any bad publicity and we surely don't want to be sued it's a big difference between disciplining and touching beating smacking humility and kicking and we said okay then someone said let our daughters have abortions if they want, and they won't even have to tell their parents. And we said, okay. Then some wise school board member said, since boys will be boys, and they're going to do it anyway, let's give our sons all the condoms they want so they can have all the fun that they desire, and we won't have to tell their parents they got them at school. And we said, okay. Then some of our top elected officials said it doesn't matter what we do in private as long as we do our jobs. And agreeing with them, we said it doesn't matter to me what anyone, including the president, does in private as long as I have a job and the economy is good. And then someone said, let's print magazines with pictures of nude women and we'll call it wholesome down-to-earth appreciation for beauty. And we said, okay. And then... The entertainment industry said, let's make TV shows and movies that promote profanity, violence, and sex. And let's record music that encourages rape and drugs and murder and satanic themes. And we said it's just entertainment. It has no adverse effect. And nobody takes it seriously anyway. So go right ahead. Now we're asking ourselves why our children have no conscience, why they don't know right from wrong, and why it doesn't bother them to see killings all over the place. It's become normalized. Probably if we think about it long enough and hard enough, we can figure it out. I think it has a great deal to do with we reap what we sow. Very interesting commentary. Uh, It's basically the frog in the water syndrome. You know, this theory about how a frog will jump out of hot water if it it falls into it. But if you put it in uh, 
room temperature water and then just turn the flame up, the frog doesn't sense the temperature changing and won't jump out. Well, this is what's happened to our country. We have been led along a path that's leading to our demise. And all, all the while we've been calling it, these are good things. These are necessary changes that have to happen. Uh, we don't want to be old fashioned. And so move along with the times. Thankfully, the church has resisted the moving along with the times. But she's under pressure, too. And there's many cardinals within the church that are also pushing for the church to make changes to get along with the times. Why do I bring all this up? Well, it's on everybody's minds, I think. People are wondering, what is going on? We, at least the people who want to, we must be a people who are praying I know I say this almost daily, but it's never been more important than right now because there's a lot going on and God is bringing about good things, but we need to keep thanking him, number one, repenting if we're in error and treating all people with respect, whether we agree with them or not. They're all God's children and his creation. So it's particularly when this sort of... Uh, lightning rod event like the the Supreme Court potentially overflow, overturning Roe v. Wade, we have to be careful not to be uh, dragging the other side of our opinion in, through the mud. In everything we do, it would be very good to think, what would Our Lady do here? She would never name call. She would never scream at somebody telling them they're horrible or stupid. Um, she would always respond by trying to bring them closer to her son, Jesus. And if they weren't physically open to that, then she would just keep commending them over to the heart of her son uh, through her prayers. And we have to remember that. We don't want to be uh, become a warrior against the person. We want to be warriors against the sin, not the person. And so we have to be very careful in how we treat people, particularly when uh, this is going to get amped up quite a bit, and the tension is going to be very thick. And it, when people uh, are very um, opinionated about something and they believe in something very strongly, their emotions run high, and that's an easy time to lose control of your emotions and then wind up saying something we regret or doing something we regret even worse. Now, somebody I respect very much is... Um, Charlie Johnston, and he just posted uh, a brilliant essay about what he sees going on. And he's, he, he entitled it Good News, Bad News, and Best News. And I just want to bring you some of the highlights from this because he is a trained journalist and, and did that for years. He's also a very devout Catholic. So uh, here's some of what he had to say. So he starts off by saying we have some good news happening. The backlash to anti-God left-wing authoritarianism has begun in earnest. So uh, a leaked draft indicates that the Supreme Court has decided to overturn Roe v. Wade. Elon Musk has bought Twitter and free speech once again has a chance. Dinesh D'Souza has put together proof of a massive voter fraud uh, event in 2020 and presented in his new documentary, 2,000 Mules. Uh, apparently, Joe Biden lost the election by a large margin, and the criminal operation 
the once noble Democratic Party has become brazenly has become brazenly uh, has stolen it. Uh, this is his opinion, not the opinions of me or Battle Ready, but he's just making some points. I we don't. I'd like to read that that documentary or watch it and see what it says. The Disney Corporation's challenge to families and the people of Florida has been met, and Disney's market cap is in full-scale collapse as parents flee from perhaps the largest institutional child grooming operation in history. After spending $300 million to get CNN Plus off the ground, it collapsed within three weeks. Whoever it was that successfully recommended to CNN suits that people would pay big bucks to watch what they would not watch for free is a genius of sorts, and I hope he fails upward and continues to successfully give such toxic counsel to every woke corporation out there. After abandoning entertainment for woke, hectoring Netflix is now bleeding subscribers and cash like a hemophiliac. As much as authoritarians long for its return, their brand of irrational COVID panic is dead. And he goes on. Uh, but then he gets into some of the bad news. I'm going to skip that for now because we've all hear, hear enough bad news without uh, needing to digest any more. And, but then he has some interesting uh, thoughts about the whole situation. So he says, to paraphrase Winston Churchill, a very real backlash that has begun is not the end of malignant woke culture. It is not even the beginning of the end. It is perhaps the beginning of the beginning. All but the more slow-witted have begun to realize we are in the midst of an existential crisis for Western civilization and are beginning to choose their sides, deciding for whom they will stand. The anti-God left is spirited, uh, is spir a spiritual and civilizational terminator. The wisest of people are beginning to realize with Sarah Connor that it can't be reasoned with, it can't be bargained with, it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and, it's absolute, and it absolutely will not stop, ever. So this is where I want you to pay close attention because he makes a very wise uh, assessment here. In a larger sense, most of the nascent backlash to the left's attempt to seize and topple Western civilization is entirely secular. Don't get me wrong, I'm not some Christian triumphalist who turns up his nose and sniffs at any help from people who have a different faith than I do, or even no religious faith at all. I know enough about the faith to know that to do that, I would have to condemn St. Thomas Aquinas for relying so heavily on the work of an ancient pagan philosopher. That I would have to condemn St. Paul for mounting an apostolate to the Gentiles, and that I would have to condemn Jesus Christ for routinely ministering to pagans and Samaritans. And I would find especially noxious Jesus' words about the pagan centurion. I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. The folks who first ask before considering the thoughts of another, is he Catholic? Or is he Baptist? Or is he Muslim? Uh, or whatever that you ask, there's already a presupposed uh, attitude within that mind. And I'm, I'm now speaking uh, from myself. This isn't Charlie speaking. We, uh, we have to, like I said earlier, we have to start looking at all people 
as God's children. Uh, because we are not fighting against flesh and blood, we're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers of this present darkness. St. Paul tells us this in his letter to the Ephesians. We, uh, and the fight is God's, you know, we're just the vessel he'll use in the battle. So it's good every day to offer ourselves over to the Lord to say, I hear I am Lord, I come to do your will. What can I do? Use me to reflect you to the world. That's the best thing we can do. There, there will be some people that don't want to see God reflected to the world, but that's, that's not our, that's not our problem. You know, we have to do what we have to do and, uh, and be a witness of Jesus and his message. That's what we do. Charlie says that the Lord is calling each of us like Peter after the resurrection. He's asking us, do you love me more than these? If your answer is yes, he demands that we prove it by feeding his lambs. We are called to be missionaries of the gospel, not to oppose the great evil that has come upon the world, though we certainly do not just to oppose the great evil, but to effectively call as many as we can to the peace and joy that is in Christ. That is fruit that will last. So you see that uh, the battle isn't just about calling out the darkness. It's about bringing forth the light. And, and that sometimes we forget that we have to do that. Um, so important to uh, emphasize the good and the positive, even in the midst of darkness. And for those who can muster the joy of heaven, uh, what a great sign that is. And have you noticed lately when somebody comes into a room or a conversation that's particularly joyful, how it lights up the whole group's conversation. Everybody becomes a little bit more joyful and happy. Um, so it's, you know, it's also a time to continue to be joyful. We should be joyful in all things. Our Lady was. Even at the cross, she had an internal joy because she knew she was accomplishing God's will in that moment. That's something you can take to adoration and probably pray about for a good hour. How Mary was still experiencing joy in her soul because she was doing the will of the Father by being present at the cross. Isn't that profound? Was she sad? Oh, yes. Her heart was being torn in two, ripped open. And she was allowing it to happen to accomplish the will of the Father in that moment. That's what she did her whole life. So we have to be, uh, you know, a drop uh, from the mother, from our mother in heaven. The apple shouldn't fall far from the tree. We have to be the same. I would also ask, we're just about out of time, if you would all say a prayer today for my good friend, Father Tom DiLorenzo. He's in the hospital with a pneumonia. And uh, if we could all just stop at some point today and say a prayer for him, that would be wonderful. And for all the sick, you know, let's let's do what my mother said to do on Monday. We, when we pray for a particular intention, open it up for all the people that would have the same problem. So, Heavenly Father, we bring before you Father Tom and all the sick of the world. And we ask you to send your angel of healing. We send your angel of healing, St. Raphael, the medicine of God, with his healing angels to assist the doctors and bring forth your uh, your new life and healing in all those you desire. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We'll have some more guests on, perhaps even tomorrow. Um, 
that we can continue to talk about life and the gift that it is. Uh, let me give you my blessing. May the blessing of Almighty God come down upon you and remain with you forever. And I bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing off.